0: I'm Chris Reback. This podcast focuses on an important, difficult, but addressable part of healthcare in America, medical debt. In fact, with Veterans Day almost here, this conversation is particularly timely and troubling. It's about veterans' medical debt. How do veterans in this country have medical debt anyhow? With all of the ways we seek to thank and support those who gave service to our country, and especially with the VA health services, how can they accrue medical bills that turn into debt? That's what I asked retired Colonel Michael Burroughs. Among many other roles, and after, as you'll hear, 42 years, 8 months, 23 days of service, including 37 years on active duty, Michael is Director of Military Debt Acquisitions and Relief for RIPMedicalDebt.org. Before my conversation with Michael, a quick word about our sponsor, RIP Medical Debt, and the incredible work they do. RIP Medical Debt locates, buys, and forgives medical debt on behalf of individual donors, philanthropists, and organizations who provide financial relief for people burdened by unpaid and unpayable medical bills. Here's part of what makes RIP so interesting and so good at what they do. They were founded in 2014 by two former collections industry executives, Despite working for decades in health and debt collections, they had no idea how many Americans shoulder the burden of unpaid medical debt and the enormity of that debt. They wanted to help. Funded by the generosity of individuals, foundations, and corporations, RIP seeks out distressed medical debt in the collections industry and the community of medical providers, including hospitals and medical practices. RIP offers to buy this debt for pennies on the dollar, which is how RIP can make such a significant impact. The average ratio is 1 to 100. That means a donation of $50 can buy as much as $5,000 in medical debt, and $1,000,000 can buy $100,000,000 in debt. And here's the punchline. Once this debt is in their possession, it's abolished as a gift from RIP to the patient— no strings attached, a gift made possible by complete strangers, people bailing out people. It's a simple, powerful solution to an incredible problem. Check them out at ripmedicaldebt.org. Now, to my conversation with retired Colonel Michael Burroughs and the particular problem of veterans' medical debt. Michael, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. So let's begin with an overview. Um and it may sound simplistic, but your answer will be instructive. Why do veterans have medical debt? I mean, most of us wouldn't consider that veterans could have a problem and certainly shouldn't have a problem with medical debt. After all, you know, don't they have access to the VA? And, you know, isn't this something that we as a country, um, you know, help take care of? Uh, as part of, uh, you know, service to the country. So um, apparently we don't, and that's, you know, what we're here to talk about. So take me through that. How, how does the system work or perhaps not work?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's a combination of things. Um, you know, you're going to have veterans that will spend a short period of time on active duty, you know, whether it's a three-year enlistment, six-year enlistment, you know, eight-year enlistment, or there's some that, you know, decide to get out after, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 years. And they 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 get to use the VA benefits to, to do one final check when they're processing out. And, you know, some veterans just kind of forget about it. I mean, I'm a great example. You know, when I got off active duty in 1980, I went and got that one last appointment with the VA and, uh, you know, went back to college and, and forgot all about it you know, and started working towards, you know, a job and, and getting my own health care benefits. Um, so even back then, uh, and even today with the cost of health care, veterans and their family members still can pick up a large amount of health care debt. Um, it's, it's not impossible. And, you know, that's, and that's, again, that's another example is you know where I'm the veteran um, and I have a family and I have, have two or three kids, well the the spouse and the two or three kids aren't covered under that VA care. It's just the veteran. Mm. So when we're talking about veteran debt, we're, we're talking about not only the individual debt, but we're talking the family debt. Yeah. And you know just to give you an example, there's 1.3 million uninsured US vets okay, that have out-of-pocket medical expenses exceeding their disposable income today. And that's a lot.
0: Yeah, 1.3 million, even with the uh, Affordable Care Act, and, and there's still 1.3 million who do not have health insurance.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's a, and, a huge number. Do you, Go ahead, and then I have a follow-up question, but go ahead. You're about to say something.
1: You know, I had another statistic here for you that, that over one-third of the 2.9 million emergency claims made by veterans, okay, were denied by the VA, okay, which means nearly 900,000 vets were stuck with exorbitant or unexpected emergency room visits with no assistance from the VA. Now, a lot of this took place prior to the, you know, first choice program coming in.
0: Yeah. Explain, explain what that is, the First Choice Program.
1: Well, it, it basically, you know, the, the VA realized that, you know, there aren't VA centers, you know, close by for every veteran that we have in, in the United States. You know, we have about 22 to 23 million, you know, veterans in our country today. And of course, that number will continue to grow as service members come off active duty, um, you know, as service members retire so that number will continue to grow. And so they did, you know, so so legisl- legisl- legislators came up with a program and said, "Hey, look, we've got to we've got to be able to use this great healthcare system that we have in the United States outside of the VA system to try to help our veterans." And, you know, it was a great idea, but just like everything that government kind of gets involved in, I don't think they thought through the second and third order effects and that just the you know the timeliness of getting uh these outside providers paid in a timely manner, manner okay so uh again there are problems with the first choice program um you know providers not getting paid timely And there are providers out there, healthcare providers that, you know, they go through their normal course of receivable business that, you know, if, if something isn't paid, you know, within 90 to 120 days, you know, they're writing it off to bad debt or they're sending it out to a collection agency. And so we have that building up now on some of our veterans. I can't give you the exact amount, but. I've got a few veterans that I know that have run into this situation.
0: I see. So that's, that's the first choice program. And that, that's how, yeah. even though the, those providers are supposed to get paid back, they might not be getting paid back in a timely fa- right. fashion or, or perhaps, I guess, in certain circumstances, not at all. And, and in the end, you know, they, that, that debt's going to fall on someone. And, and I guess it falls on, on the vet. Do you have a sense? I, I don't believe that exact statistics for this. Exist, But is there a a ballpark sense of the amount of debt we're talking about for veterans uh, in the United States and, and you know, involving their families?
1: You know, I've, I've searched online. I've searched all the statistics that I could possibly find. I mean, this is very important to, you know, what I'm doing with, uh, you know, R.I.P. medical debt out of New York City, you know, and trying to locate this debt and uh, for veterans that are that are, you know, falling below the poverty level here and abolishing it. Um, and, and the only number that we've come up with so far um, was based on a House subcommittee meeting, uh, you know, that we attended on veterans health. And there was about six billion dollars in veteran medical debt. OK, just for emergent services. Mm-hmm. OK. And I would think that the number is larger. Um, you know, my past experience, you know, on the civilian side of the house is buying health care debt. And I've done that for, uh, over the last 12 and a half years. And I've purchased probably close to $3 billion, uh, worth of healthcare debt, you know, on the open market from, from large hospitals, from community hospitals, uh, all over the United States. And and we have the ability to go in there and do a scrub, you know, on those accounts that we've purchased and, and you'd just be amazed at the amount of debt out there, uh, that veterans and their families, okay, have been strapped with, um, over the last 12 years. So, uh, to me, six billion is a very small number, yeah. especially, you know, when your healthcare debt. I think the last figures I saw back in 2014 or 2015 were reaching almost two trillion dollars.
0: Yeah, and that's just that's just emergent services, as you noted. I mean, there's a there's yeah. all sorts of other services. So, talk to me about the politics of this. You you have had the opportunity throughout the years to interact with uh, politicians, and you know certainly in the the House, it, the it veterans. All, you know, the veterans are, are a group that thankfully, um, you know, essentially everyone in America wants to circle around. And we, we all, and you certainly hear it from politicians, you know, there's nothing we won't do for our veterans and, and we, we talk a pretty good game. Um, the two questions, I guess. One is, um, in terms of the medical debt in the veterans, I haven't heard that as much as a, as a big political issue, and I just don't understand why, so maybe you can talk to me about why, you know, what? why is that not taken hold as a political issue the way in which I would think it should? Why, why don't we start with that one? What's the why behind that, do you think?
1: I, I think that's a great question, and I think that's one of our objectives at RIP Medical Debt is to kind of bring this to the forefront and make it more of a political issue surrounding veterans. Um, I, I think that the debt portion of it and how that affects, you know, their credit ratings, you know, I mean, the veterans credit ratings are destroyed, um, you know, how they're hounded day and night by collectors, you know, to pay off this debt, how it affects them with their VA guaranteed loan when it comes to purchasing a home. Okay. I think that's kind of taken a back seat to the pro- other problems that we've had with the VA and the VA healthcare system, you know, the appointments, you know, the level of care, you know, the waiting time periods, all of that, you know, has kind of taken, uh, you know, the, 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 the spotlight, so to speak.
0: And as you, yeah, go and ahead. Before,
1: and again, that's one of our objectives is yep. Chris, we've got to get out there and we've got to get that word out and we've got to make it, As big of of a priority. And uh, I think we'll see that gain a lot of traction as we continue to, you know, be out in the spotlight abolishing this for veterans and being able to tell veteran stories as well.
0: And when you talk to politicians about this, what's the reaction you get? I mean, are they surprised? Are they horrified? Do they want to help? Do they say, um, "Yeah, that's terrible," but you know, we've got all these other issues <laughs> with veterans that we have to solve yeah. first.
1: Yeah, I think I think you hit the latter part, you mm. know, because yeah, you know, again, I wasn't at the sub uh, sub uh, sub hearing meeting or subcommittee hearing meeting, you know, in um, in Washington D.C. that uh, Craig and and Jerry, the co founders of RIP Medical Debt had the opportunity to attend. And um, as you know, and and I know, when you're sitting in front of politicians, you know, Mm -hmm. you you have their full attention and they genuinely act interested in your issues and your concerns. But their plate is full. I mean, there's so much stuff going on in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, this is like one out of 15 things, you know, that they have on their plate.
0: So waiting for the government to or, or politicians to help solve this, um, you know, they, they it's not a question. It surely is not a question of, of intentions. I, I can't I, imagine that any politician no. would, would want anything but full debt. Cover, you know, they, everyone wants whatever possible for the veterans, but there's so many issues. But the, the point the point I'm hearing from you is, um, you know, we can't sit around and wait for the politicians yeah. to solve this one.
1: No, I think this problem is going to get solved by individuals, mm-hmm. uh, very, very, very uh, wonderful and giving individuals in this country. I mean, when you take a look at, you know, contributions and and the giving. In this country, when it comes to any particular cause, you know, whether it's, you know, this particular cause that we're running or or other causes, uh, you know, 72 to 80 percent of all the money that comes in uh, comes from individuals in this country. It, It doesn't come from, you know, the large companies. It doesn't come from the large corporations. It comes from individuals giving, you know, because they believe And, you know, that's what we're starting to see. I mean, it's, it's taken two to three years for it to build traction, but, you know, we've got some great donors out there right now that they see this need. Um, and they're stepping up to the plate. And I think it'll continue to grow.
0: And I'm going to ask you, of course, about, uh, you know, how, what, what folks can do, folks who want to donate or want to give or want to help solve this. But you, you mentioned a moment ago, um, some of the stories and, and some of the stories that you've taught, you've talked to politicians about and that, uh, uh, the RIP medical debt folks talk to politicians about. Um, any one that comes to mind, anything, uh, you know, it, it, tell me a story. Oh.
1: I mean, not with men, you know, I want to kind of, I don't want to mention any names, um, you know, Mm -hmm. in the podcast, but I, but I do have a a former uh, Marine uh, female uh, that just went through a horrendous experience. Um, You know, she's trying to get approved for a uh, VA guaranteed loan and all of a sudden, Uh, These debts, you know, for like eight or nine hundred dollars show up um, on her credit file and um, stop her, first of all, from getting pre approved, okay, for her VA guaranteed loan, okay, with her lending institution. You know, these have to be taken care of. Uh, Makes the calls to the numbers and the call centers that the VA provides and just gets answering machine after answering machine, you know, leaving messages, you know, sending documentation, very frustrating process. And this all came about because the VA in her particular area did not provide the the services that she needed, gave her approval, gave her a uh, approval identification number through the first choice program to go to another VA facility, which was, You know well out of her her traveling distance and then these debts don't get paid and when she tries to go back to the VA and try to get these solved she can't get a hold of anybody okay she's mailed in proof you know that she was told to do this okay by the VA and it would be paid and of course you know, that hospital, that particular facility that she went to, which is outside the VA, they can't wait, you know, and and again, they go through their process. So now she's got collectors calling her, you know, threatening her. Um, And, you know, she's, she's held up on, on being able to go out and find a house and her and her husband want to buy a house. So out of frustration after going through this, uh, this, this trial and tribulation for, you know, 90 to 120 days, she ends up paying the $900 out of her own pocket. Mm. Okay. And just, you know, to, just frustrated.
0: Yeah. Just to make the problem go away.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's a great example. And I, that's just one person. I know that there's got to be many, many more yeah. uh, out there, many, many more. And we're hoping uh, during our mini summit here on uh, November uh, 10th, Uh, In New York City, we've extended that invitation to a lot of these veterans that have these issues. We're going to be able to get those stories uh, directly from them and and be able to publish this and and get this information out. So people understand that, uh, you know, we're we're asking a lot of our veterans, you know, who get sick. You know, they've been horrified to learn that the out-of-pocket cost for treatment, you know, have crippled them, you know, with long life, uh, long, uh, lifelong medical debt. Okay. And, you know, we still have to work on the VA Veterans First Choice program. Um, you know, you still have TRICARE programs out there for your retired service members. Now, those are good programs. I'm I'm on that myself, which is great. Um, you know, that's a big help. Uh, but there was a time period, Chris, that Before retirement, I was in a gray area for about five years where all I was able to use was my VA health care, which means my wife and my daughters, two daughters. I have three, but the the third one's already out and on her own, got her own health care. But for two daughters in college, they had to be covered under my wife's health care. Okay, and. We're talking about healthcare that had like a four thousand five hundred dollar deductible on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So mm-hmm. if something would have happened to my wife or to any one of my two daughters, I would be in the same boat. I would have healthcare debt that I could not afford.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's a it's a massive issue, and it's a great point that you make. The uh, the plans that are available and the deductibles that are out there um, create the potential for a real uh, real trap um, for veterans um you know for for others for civilians as well um but uh you know certainly for for veterans and 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 that 's the that 's the topic today and that 's the the segment yeah. of the population that uh you know, when you think about how we as a country, um, like to feel that we hold our veterans up and, and, you know, are always there to support them, uh, you know, the amounts that you're talking about and the frequency and, and the headaches, you know, sometimes small headaches and sometimes, you know, real devastating, uh, situations, um, yep. you know, really, uh, really impactful. So uh, speaking of impact, how can, um, folks make a difference? Uh, how, how can folks, um, you, should they donate? Should they um, call or write politicians? Is there other support that they can provide? What, what should folks do?
1: Well, I mean, from my particular standpoint, um, you know, they're, they're the best way that they can they can contribute or help, you know, from our standpoint is to, to, to go to our website, um, and hopefully you know we'll be able to mention that at the end of our our, our broadcast.
0: Well we can we can even mention it right now. RIPmedicaldebt.org. And it'll be, you know, it's it's on the site as well uh, where this is posted, yes. but but yes. RIPmedicaldebt.org.
1: Right. And uh, there's a big donate button on there and you would you'd be surprised over the last uh year and a half um since this thing has been taking off since the John Oliver show uh, you know, since we've had a number of summits um, and we've had some large donors, uh, you'd be surprised the donations that we've given or, or, or received. And, and, you know, the unique thing about it is, um, you know, a $5,000 donation, OK, which is a large donation, could abolish, you know, upwards of, uh, you know, 10 to 15 million dollars in debt. Now, yeah. how impactful is that? I mean, that's huge.
0: Yep, they can change a lot of lives. And and to that point, if somebody even, you know, they, you, you would take the uh, large donations like that. And if individuals, yep. you know, can't afford that, I, I'm sure you're in a situation where every little bit helps.
1: Oh, absolutely. It all grows. It continues to grow, um, uh, you know, even at $100 or, you know, $500, any amount you know um we're we're very interested in that we're very thankful for that and that's where it goes it goes to abolishing debt period
0: michael tell me about your own service and your own career
1: well thanks uh chris for asking um it gr- great pleasure to serve our country um you know i get asked that a lot and that's my response it was a pleasure to serve I've served a total of 42 years, 8 months, 23 days. I retired on my 60th birthday. It's a combination of 37 years of active duty time, uh, a member of the Illinois Army National Guard, and reserves, and the retired reserves. Um, I had the opportunity to serve our country uh, during Operation Iraqi Freedom from 2005 to 2006. And prior to that, had a great opportunity as a medical service corps officer to do medical ready missions uh, in nation building in South America. Um, spent three years in Europe when I was a young man from 77 to 1980. A lot of traveling. And, you know, even though I'm, I'm retired now, um, I still have a love for the military service. Um, I serve as the chairman of the board for Victory for Veterans Foundation. Uh which is a nonprofit that uh, is helping other nonprofits building this foundation. Um, I work as a board member for the National Veterans Transition Service, AKA Reboot, out of San Diego, California. Been with them now for almost two years. And of course, uh, I'm here today as the Director of Military Debt Acquisition and Relief for RIP, RIP Medical Debt out of Rye, New York. But I also work with veterans and first responders and civilians. That have PTSD, TBI, MST, and other disabilities through a program called Warriors for Life. This is a program under Victory for Veterans, and I meet with these veterans every Sunday evening uh, providing group support. And I'll have anywhere between, you know, twelve to fifteen veterans who will spend an hour with me and we co- cover a number of subjects. And I've been able to do this for the last two and a half years. So I'd like to say that I will continue to serve uh in any way that I can for our veterans and our service members out there.
0: Yeah, that was what was just going through my mind. The service never ends, does it? And I don't mean that negatively. I mean that's that's an inspiring thing. It it no, it, it doesn't end.
1: It never ends. Yeah. You, know, you you never forget your brothers and sisters out there that you know, especially when you've spent that long, you know, in the service and uh like I said, it was a pleasure serving
0: Yes. Well, I, I know you are recently retired, so uh, our thanks, uh, great thanks for your service, for your time, for your continued service, um, and for purposes of this conversation today, uh, for the work that you're doing to uh, try to raise awareness and, and help veterans who have accrued uh, medical debt and the big problem that that is. So thank you on, uh, thank you on all fronts, Michael.
1: Thank you.